Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Previously on Finding Brittany Drexel, a jailhouse informant is telling stories about the Taylor family. The first time that the federal inmate, and I think it was Taquan Brown, came in, he was talking to a prosecutor in Georgetown about a state case. Federal inmate said, well, do you want to know information on Brittany Drexel? And that guy was saying that Timothy Taylor had done it. It's not the only time a Taylor has been accused of abducting a woman. 37-year-old Sean Taylor surrendered to police. The case has strong parallels to the one of missing spring breaker Brittany Drexel. And it's not going to be the last. We know there's people that saw something, heard something, that has information that could lead us to closing out this investigation and bringing closure to this family. We're following breaking news out of Georgetown County right now. You do have the right to remain silent. It involves a man named as a person of interest in the Brittany Drexel case. Anything you say can will be used against you in a court of law. Brittany was 17, a junior at Gates Chilai, when she left without her mom's permission for spring break in Myrtle Beach. Never in my wildest dreams ever thought my child would go missing, but now look where I am. Seemed inconceivable that someone could just virtually vanish walking between two hotels on a very busy strip. The people that did this are still in the community. They're bad people. Do you think he could be responsible for bringing up some of this? I think he responsible for anybody's disappearance. From the studios of WCIV ABC News 4 in Charleston, South Carolina. I'll give you a story that I don't think has really ever come out. I'm Ann Emerson, and this is Unsolved South Carolina, case file number two. To me, this is a case of that you will remember for the rest of your life, no matter what. Finding Brittany Drexel. Yeah, I'll take you right where the body is, because I feel like you ain't been anywhere. You never get that body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. By 2016, the feds were ready to throw the book at Timothy Deshaun Taylor for the same robbery he'd already served 18 months probation for, a charge that would send Tim back to jail. Arguing the state's punishment had been too lenient, the FBI and U.S. Attorney's Office charged Taylor under a federal statute called the Hobbs Act. It's usually used in racketeering and public corruption cases, not small-time robberies. Strange until the truth eventually comes out. This is all about Brittany Drexel. Here's Tim's lawyer, Ryan McKay. They were seeking to imprison him, uh, you know, for a long period of time for the, the Hobbs Act portion of the McDonald's robbery, okay? So they were looking to put him in prison uh, for that. Now, they didn't really want him sitting in prison for being the getaway driver at the McDonald's robbery. They wanted him to be sitting in prison for something that they didn't even have probable cause to arrest him for. And that ought to scare people. So what did the feds have on Tim? 
he'd have to sit in jail for a month before he found out. They didn't ever tell me about that story of the jailhouse informant until we actually went to court for a bond hearing. That's when it all came to the light. Remember those jailhouse informants that Jimmy Richardson had spoke of? Well, did they have a tale to tell? The FBI has a big update tonight in a seven-year-old death case. And since then, police have not made any arrests. But for the first time, they have gone public with a suspect and about a theory of what they think happened. On August 15, 2016, Tim is brought in front of a federal magistrate judge. No cameras are allowed into court. It'll be another couple of weeks before we get the court transcripts. And the story that's told, well, it'll be a major turning point in this case. Prosecutors with the U.S. Attorney's Office say Tim Taylor should be denied bond on the new robbery charge because he's a target of another investigation, this one involving kidnapping, human trafficking, and murder. It came out during a federal bond hearing for a separate charge relating to a 2011 robbery for which Taylor was already convicted in state court and served his time. FBI agent Garrick Munoz takes the witness stand and gives more details. In open court, on the record, Munoz says agents have information suggesting Tim Taylor is directly tied to Drexel's disappearance and death and that he was likely involved in both. Munoz continues, the judge is asking questions. He reveals his source, saying jailhouse informants provided the information about Drexel. One of the informants claims to be an eyewitness who saw Tim and his father Sean with Brittany at a so-called stash house in McClellanville. I'm going to have colleagues read parts of the transcript for us. The witness that we have said that he was with the father just outside the house. Munoz refers to Tim by his middle name, Deshaun. He continues talking about what the informant told him. That's when he saw Deshaun Taylor and the others with Brittany Drexel. During the course of their conversation, Brittany Drexel ran out of the room. She was then described as pistol-whipped and brought back into the house. At that point, the father, Sean Taylor, goes back into the house and actually hears two shots fired. And he is assuming at that point that the father had actually shot the daughter or shot Brittany Drexel. And Brittany Drexel was then wrapped up and taken away from the house. By May 2016, the FBI is actively investigating Brittany's disappearance as the lead agency. Agent Munoz. We've been getting, you know, tidbits of information from the community, but we also have other testimony that's coming in, secondhand information that is corroborating the story. The judge asks to get into that secondhand information. Here's the U.S. attorney. Okay, and if you would, relate to the judge what that person related to investigators about what was seen. Munoz responds. He said that Deshaun Taylor actually picked her up from Myrtle Beach, brought her back down to McClellanville, showed her off, and introduced her to some other friends that were there. They ended up, you know, from what we understand, without getting too much into it and going through all the testimony, they ended up tricking her out with some of their friends, offering her to them and getting into a human trafficking situation. And then, when it became a problem, and there was actually some press that came out with her disappearance, that she was murdered and disposed of. The judge asks, was Brittany's body ever found? Munoz answers. Miss Drexel was never found, not yet. Now the U.S. attorney asks Agent Munoz. Did any witnesses tell you? And I also want you to tell the judge the basis for how they might have known. Did any witnesses tell you what happened to Miss Drexel's body? Yes, 
Several witnesses have told us that Miss Drexel's body was placed into a pit, or gator pit, to have her body disposed of, eaten by the gators. Judge Baker asked the agent, where is the gator pit? Munoz answers. We've had several different people show us some locations that they thought it was, but there are numerous locations where alligators are known to congregate in the area up there, so it could be any one of 30 to 40 different places. Taylor's lawyer at the time, Mark Pepper, shot back at the allegations. He called it a squeeze job and called the informant Munoz was citing a jailhouse rat. But the story was out there, the damage done. I asked him about this pivotal moment in his court hearing. And so that is the first time you heard that story of what had, what has gone down, what, what had allegedly gone down. This was the first time you heard this. Right. What was your reaction? Um, I just put my head down in the courtroom. I was like, ain't no way they're saying I had something to do with this. Turn back around, I was like, this going to go worldwide. What do you think, Joanne? When I heard the story uh, at the bond hearing, I just, I, I was like, how ludicrous does this sound? And um, I just couldn't believe that they had actually read that off. And um, so I was angry, um, just kind of confused. And But I just knew, leaving out there, that something had to be done. Here's Tim's lawyer again, Ryan McCaig. He had made that mistake. You know, he'd been in, he'd been in that trouble. But, but uh, being a, a getaway driver and a McDonald's robbery is a universe away from kidnapping, uh, raping, uh, you know, murdering and feeding a innocent teenage girl to alligators. The Gator Pit story did go worldwide. As my executive producer, Drew Tripp, said a while back. With respect to the Drexel case, we dragged his name through the mud, followed the FBI down into that mud pit or alligator pit, as it were. In that courtroom, in support of Tim, church members, Tim's sister, his girlfriend's family, family friends, and of course, his mom, Joanne, filled the seats. At this point, Joanne stands up and speaks for her son. She says, I want to say that at the time of this alleged abduction, he was 16 years old. I was never a mother that would let my kids run loosely and definitely not with the father, you know, out to do things. I kept great hold on him. I am a pastor of a church. They were in church. They had a strict bedtime. I knew every place that they went. Myrtle Beach would not be a place that he would go at the age of 16, end quote. That day, Tim went back to jail. They took me back. They wanted to put me in a, like, solitaire, I guess because they thought it was going to affect me to where I wanted to hurt myself. But, you know, I'm strong, so it bothered me. Yeah, I cried about it. Yeah, it hurt. It's just I shed a lot of tears behind it, but... It was more for so of I pretty much had to believe in my mom and my dad on the outside to really help me because it isn't much you can really do in there when you're incarcerated. But they don't give you everything that you need in them. But Tim and his family could not be prepared for what happened next. So you were scared that people would harm you or your kids? Yeah, I, we got plenty of um, bad messages. Yes. Like what? Death threats. Death threats. Um, Threats of people wanting to take it into their own justice. 
They want to have their own justice system, what they think should happen to me and my family. What if someone does this to my daughter or my son? What did that, I mean, what was that like? Living in fear. Yeah. Living in fear. Did you have to watch your back? Most definitely. Like we hear, like we, and I think it's just become programmed for us. We don't sleep sound since then. Like any little thing, one of us will pop up. We hear the dogs barking. We'll pop up. And it's been like that. Our life has been in fear. And with the strength of the federal investigator's word and the media spreading it like gospel, Brittany's family and friends reeled in grief. I asked Brittany's childhood friend, Jessica Fico, about that Gator Pit story. Everybody was convinced. Mm -hmm. What did you think when you heard all that? I think that that was like the first time that we had like a really solid storyline and maybe what happened to her and like really solid possible answers. So it was hard not to take like the FBI's word for it. Um, although hearing the details that they released was obviously gut-wrenching. And that that's not even, I feel like that's for anybody. If you hear a story that that happened to another human, that's awful to hear, but let alone someone that you know and love. I mean, I just remember sitting there sobbing, sobbing uncontrollably. Um, it's hard to hear. It's a, a parent's worst nightmare to have your child being a missing person. But then they did something even worse to them. They filled their, their heads with these images of these horrible things that never happened. They gave them years of nightmares um, while they were chasing what they should have known was a dead end. Joanne says she never faltered in her support of her son. Joanne, did you ever have any moments of like, what happened? Did you ever doubt? No, I, I never doubted. I knew this was not something that Timothy can do. A mother knows her kids and I just, I knew that this was not, not Timothy. And the day that I, that story was read, his bond hearing, I just knew that I had to do something to prove that it wasn't him, that this was a lie. Even when speaking out would cost her dearly. Yeah, I remember when she she lost Mixed her job egg. for it. You lost your job? Yeah. The first interview I did, and I guess I brought a, brought a reproach against my company because I, it was literally said to me that as long as I was fighting for him, it was okay, but when I went on TV, I put my face out there. For the Taylor family, despair turned to anger. Anger turned to resentment. You just don't do that to somebody that you don't have credible evidence on. Like, they did this to create, I feel, to create a narrative, to just, I don't have the right words, but it's just like they wanted so badly for this to be Timothy. And it's, 
to me, they didn't look for anybody else. They didn't look for the real killers. They didn't care about us. They didn't care what they were doing. I asked the solicitor, Jimmy Richardson, his reaction to the fact that Tim was at the center of the FBI's case when the solicitor himself had already ruled out the informant's information. I don't have a reaction to that. That's the feds. Uh, it would be, I would go talk with the feds and ask them. And that's exactly what I did. Here's what the FBI's assistant special agent in charge, Reed Davis, had to say when I sat down with him in 2022. Why did his name become public? Can you tell me that? No, it's a great question because we certainly, you know, again, our intention is always uh, to keep an investigation as covert as possible for as long as possible for multiple reasons. Uh, one is preservation of, of evidence and witnesses. So um, it's always our goal to never go overt. Um, so even though I wasn't here during the time that that went overt, so I can't really speak to to why it did, I can tell you that's it's never our intention. I think that's a little disingenuous for him. The whole point of them bringing that prosecution <clears throat> was to put his name in that, to put pressure on him. I know what they would say is, well, the judge demanded to know the particulars. They knew that. They, they, they knew that was gonna happen. That's why they had uh, Agent Munoz right there ready to, to tell the particulars. They, they, there were ways that they could have that they could have accomplished whatever they felt like they needed to accomplish without having that come out in open court like that. Um, that happened because they wanted it to happen. Here's Tim. I think they, they knew that they had to bring it up. So it, I, I'm pretty sure they was prepared for it to hit the media. Tim was left with no choice but to plead guilty to the federal robbery charge. On July 12, 2017, a new plea agreement is reached with Taylor. The government moved forward with a 10 to 20 year sentence for Tim in federal prison based on the robbery with the understanding that if Taylor could provide truthful information about criminal activity of which he has knowledge, a reduced sentence was possible. Tim's lawyer, Mark Pepper, spoke outside of federal court after the plea agreements were presented. He was spitting mad at the FBI. He was in third period class at Lincoln High School the day that this jailhouse rat says he was in this trap house in the middle of McClellanville. But they know that that's not correct. They know he was in school and they moved on from it. Tim was released on bond, but was brought back in for a probation violation in 2017. He spent another 11 months behind bars for that violation. The Taylors were desperate. Tim says by 2017, he just wanted this nightmare to be over. As time went by, I was telling my mom, I'm like, I'm gonna just take the 10 years just to get it over with so I can hurry up, come back and be around my kids. I remember telling them that whatever offer they give me, I would just take it. It was to the point to where I got arrested for a violation and they didn't want to give me back the bond. So I was telling her like, let's just go ahead and get it over with. Joanne says Tim's father, Sean, was contemplating the same thing. He was ready to falsely confess to save his son. Here's why, according to Joanne. All of this, in a sense, made him feel powerless as a father to be able to help his kids. But the one thing that always stick out to me, and I often think about it, is the love that he had and how much he wanted to take all of this away from Timothy. Because I remember a conversation that we had knowing that he didn't have anything to do with it. And he said to me that I'm just going to go and tell them 
something and tell them I did it so that Deshaun could come home. And as a father wanting to take that, I mean, could you imagine if he had did that, what his life would look like? But he wanted to do it because he didn't want his son to suffer. Meanwhile, the informant who claimed to be an eyewitness against him and his dad, well, his stories kept changing. The informant was a man named Taekwon Brown. He just started a 25-year prison sentence for manslaughter when he told investigators the story about Drexel, the Taylors, and that gator pit. Remember how Richardson described it earlier with Brown eagerly offering up information? After the FBI ran with the initial version to justify prosecuting Tim, Brown's story changed several times. When, where, how Brittany was killed, who killed her, all of it. When Brown gave a 2019 interview with a reporter from Brittany's hometown, that story didn't even include the Taylors or McClellanville anymore. Here's Solicitor Richardson. That was information that was put out there and uh, it was coming from uh, prisoners uh, who have later said that just wasn't true. I, uh, the prisoners would say, I told a story. That is, um, but it did send the FBI off on that tangent. And if you've got a, a, a case like that, I'm not trying to make up or take up for them. I'm just saying that um, when you ask for help, you get help. Some of it's no good. Some of it is good. The FBI's assistant special agent in charge, Davis, says Tim Taylor was just one avenue the agency was exploring. When I got here, there were kind of four working theories within the investigation. And we try very hard when conducting these types of investigations to not get tunnel vision. Even if one direction seems more, more viable than others, we try very hard to not um, look for confirmation bias of that area and still continue to explore all logical areas of the investigation simultaneously. After 11 months in jail, Tim is released on probation. In December of 2019, the federal judge in Taylor's case would sentence him to three years probation and time served. He violated that probation in 2020 when he tested positive for marijuana. He went back to court and the judge extended his probation for one year. That's when I personally met Joanne and saw Tim leaving the courthouse. Disillusioned is not even the word for it. Here's what Joanne said to me. We put it on the air that night. Please stop putting us out there with this young lady. It has not been proven that my son did anything with this young lady. So please stop associating him with Brittany Drexel. Joanne remembers it too, grateful that I aired her words after years of being ignored. I felt like the media was not listening to us at all, at all. And I, you know, I shared with Ryan, I was like, you, and I didn't know your name at the time, and I didn't know that it was the same person. I'm like, that's the only news station that actually I was able to say what I felt I needed to say and it be heard because I had asked many times, but they would always just cut that part of, you know, me speaking, asking that. Nobody ever played that part. I was asking for the six, seven years just to please not associate us with that, but they would cut it. They would not, you know, air that to the world, but you, you did, you did. That day in 2021, I spoke to the U.S. attorney prosecuting Tim's case. 
He told me back then that the information on Timothy Taylor's alleged involvement in a failed polygraph had been vetted by federal authorities, and they didn't believe it would lead to finding Brittany Drexel. Tim was not out of the woods yet. That would not come for another year. For the Taylor family, the constant hounding, there was this racist undertone. We've been taught to fear the FBI, you know, and even though they might have known that their kid didn't do it, they would have been too afraid to stand up against the Even us, we had people saying, don't do it. Y'all going up against the FBI, don't do it. That's the fear that had been instilled in us. Because you're black, you think that I think, played a role I, in this? I, I think, think so. Does. I think with certain, with, with certain agents, it did. I think it did, and I, 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 I can't, just analyzing everything and looking back, I just can't find another reason why. I don't think to the extent of how they did Timothy, if it was, if he was not black, it wouldn't have been handled that way. I just, that's my thoughts. I just really don't believe if we look at statistics, statistics prove that it would have been handled a different way had he not been black. And that's my thoughts. I mean, I tried to steer away from it because God knows I'm not prejudiced, but I just keep coming back there. And still, in 2023, it's not over yet. According to Tim's lawyer, the Taylors are exploring their legal actions against the people who pointed the finger at them for all of those years. Do I think that they need to make uh, the Taylor family whole? Absolutely. I mean, that's the basis of civil law in this country. You can never unring that bell with the alligator. Uh, you know, rape, murder, you can't ever make people unhear that. Are you gonna go after the federal government? Yes. And here's the crazy thing. In 2019, unbeknownst to Tim and his family, the FBI, well, they'd gone back to the drawing board. Somewhere around 2018, 2019, I don't know, we didn't take notes. But the FBI comes in and says, look, we have started um, all over from scratch. I have gotten everything from um, Myrtle Beach and we are going through every one of these leads. They were taking a fresh look at all of the evidence because the fact remained, whoever killed Brittany was still out there. And so was Brittany. This got national media. There were literally people that said, I did it. You know, I killed and raped her. And uh, they had to track all of those guys down. But there was one guy who was not talking. The long arm of the law exists, so I don't believe he thought he would be able to evade us. Coming up on Finding Brittany Drexel. You know, it's hard to get in the mind of, of a psychopath, right? The things that he believes happened and then the details in which he believes them, yeah, are shocking. A psychopath? We need your help so we can find Brittany's remains and bring her home to lay her to rest. And make sure that monsters like this can no longer victimize this community or kill anyone else's child. A monster. Yeah, I'll take you right where the body is, but I feel like you haven't been anywhere, you never get that body in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fact. 
Unsolved South Carolina Finding Brittany Drexel is a production of WCIV-TV ABC News 4. If you enjoyed this podcast, please help us reach more people by giving us a positive rating and leaving a review. For more on the Drexel case, visit abcnews4.com slash Drexel. For show updates and exclusive extras, follow Unsolved South Carolina on social media at Unsolved SC Pod. Audible is the destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Allow your imagination to be piqued by stories that are brought to life through captivating sound design, eerie soundscapes, and dynamic performances. As an Audible member, you'll be able to keep your heart rate up month after month because you can choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog, including the latest bestsellers and new releases. If you're in the mood for a shocking psychological thriller, check out None of This is True by Lisa Jewell. Embrace brand new exclusive thrillers from bestselling authors who are guaranteed to keep you gripped. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500. That's audible.com slash thrill or text thrill to 500-500.